And today, General Kankwesi, like we are the host, we will be interviewing Auntie Stephanie and Uncle Cullis. Now, we have a question for them. So, what are some good reasons for getting married today? Wow, that's a good question. Because many people marry for the wrong reason. For the wrong reason. Some marry because they are lonely. Some marry because of pressure. People are pressuring them. Some say they are getting too old. And different reasons which are not good reasons for getting married. So we are glad to answer. What are some of the good ones? Yeah. And firstly, because, because, because God is the one who designed marriage. Okay. And he's the one that put everything in place to ensure that marriage functions well and, to, and get its optimum benefit. We are going to take some of the answers from God's perspective. Right. It was God, it is God who said that it is not good for man to live alone. Mm -hmm. He created man as a social being with a deep need for companionship and intimacy. There comes a stage in, in one's life when the relationship with your parents, it just doesn't cut it. Right. The relationship with other friends and so forth, no, 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 that something is not what you really need for that stage in your life. You go from stage to stage. And nothing is wrong with that stage. It's a normal, God-given stage. Yeah. So that is one of the reasons for getting married and that God designed marriage for companionship. Um, secondly, there's no better way to demonstrate love for a partner than by commitment and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Okay? Marriage is intended to demonstrate this love just as Christ did for the church. If you really, truly love somebody, then you are going to want to dedicate your life, give your life, sacrifice, and commit mm -hmm. to that person exclusively, than all others, unto that person. And this is what Christ, this is the way Christ has demonstrated his love for the church, and he made marriage to demonstrate that kind of love and sacrifice. Right. All right. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, we have another scripture that kind of gives some reasons for marriage. Mm -hmm. In this context, marriage being a very great support system. So, can us read Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12? Mm -hmm. So, on page 9 to 12, okay, and, I'm, and I'm reading from um, the NLP, it says that who are better than one because they have a good return for the labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Right, so here, God's word is talking about marriage, the kind of framework it is to support the family and to support one another. Marriage provides the, the context, the framework that will motivate husbands and wives to encourage one another because there's accountability. Mm -hmm. 
actions are comfortable, yeah. Why want to know how why it is you came so late? Your husband wants to know how come you could be whatever <laughs> in French or whatever. We'll have discussions mm. and we are comfortable to one another and that motivates you to live a better life and to display God's character. Because marriage is all about being in a relationship that helps you to live a self-sacrificing life and to build the character that is godly. Alright? Well, as, as you said, as you said, um, um self-sacrifice, you said commitment, all these things. Um, these things cannot be what's the word? brought within the context of like let's say living together because for example the US Census said that like close to fifteen percent of Americans between fifteen to twenty-four are, you know, cohabitating, you know, they're living together, they're committed, they're probably doing a lot of self-sacrificing, you know, like so to, to marriage just seems to be like a piece of paper, you know, so you can't can't you have those values while cohabitating, you know? Okay. Um sounds like a valid point, but that is a valid point only from the human standpoint. Um so before I respond to the question, let me uh, let me just say this. So why do people shack up? As you say, cohabitating. Well the trinity the trinity version of yeah. Yeah, why why do people shack up, right? Mm. Oh so you think is so when you look at it, some people may do it for financial reasons and convenience. Right. Why pay two rents when we could pay one rent? Exactly. Okay? Time time. Yeah, yeah. Some some people, especially men, they may want to um focus in this company. They want to test drive. Right. Um, the, the merchandise <laughs> to see if it really yeah, worth it. Mm -hmm. Okay? Right? So they try to say cut that yeah, yeah, and why pay for the call when you can give them free? Right? Yeah. Right? So they want to try before they buy and they're treating it as if it's merchandise. Right. Okay? Some people are even skeptical of marriage and they will tell you, um, why should this institution of marriage do work and all kind of thing? Right? Yeah. And sometimes women may see it also too as a, well, more women than men, eh? may see it as a precursor to the next step before marriage. In other words, then, it starts off by their friends, and then we move in together, and the next step after that is marriage. So it's like yeah. a free so it's like a stepping stone. But, you know... You yeah, a lot of men will see it that way. Nah, men will see it that way. Men still want to test drive and have the option of, of backing out, yeah? Okay? But the same way we spoke about, uh, you know, the statistics, statistics will also show to that 60% of the people who shack up never get married. And forty percent of those people who get married, five out of six with, of five out of every six of them will be divorced within three years, oh. simply because it is the foundation that was laid. So why is it not good? Well, people who live together before marrying tend to have less conservative views about the digital institution of marriage. So when difficult times come, they are prone to leave the marriage. There's nothing that says, I need to stick this thing out, okay? There's nothing that binds me, because for example, some people just don't get, um, don't get um, separated because maybe of the course of divorce and the thing of the, the whole heartache of the, um, dividing property and all kind of thing. But 
as believers, God wants us to get together, be married, and really conform to what his principles are. And sometimes, um, if it's shocking up, you know, for me, what shocking up says to me, shocking up says that I have a backdoor strategy and get out of jail card. So if it ain't working, you know what I'm doing? Yeah, I could, I, I, could, I could split. And both of us living together under that, you know, that fear, that concern. Because, yeah. as Stephanie said earlier on, if you are committed, if you are self-sacrificing for somebody, I should be prepared to commit to you. And if I'm committing to you, there's nothing that should hold me back. So therefore, so there's an underlying sense of fear there. Uh, yes. So, so why shock up, right? I'm only shocking up because maybe um, I really want to maybe take, take, get out of this for some reason or the other, right? And one of the other things too we, have, we have noticed is that sometimes people shock up and, and they, live, they live lives, right? And then they come to know the Lord as Savior. And then they realize, wait, hear this thing. This is really what is wrong because God wants us to be married. God wants us to be committed. And that is why he gave us the institution of marriage. Okay. So, 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 as Stephanie, yeah, so as Stephanie was saying earlier on, you know, this is why one of the good reasons for getting married is really to that institution of, of that, that method of saying to people, hey, look, I am committed to you. Right? Just, okay. So, and our next reason too that, that we could have is that, um, Maybe because why you want to get married again? You got good reason for getting married. I think it's to have children, to have children, Stephanie. What, oh, what do you think? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A good reason. <laughs> good reason, yeah. Good reason yeah, to, yeah. to have children, right? Because um, it is it is really that framework. Because when children grow up within a family, right? Um, the the studies will show you that. That children who grow up with all with with parents are succeed better in school. They do um they they, they have a, a better foundation than those who grow up from broken families. Not to say that children who come from broken families do not have a success also, but the fact is that it, it is there's a greater propensity for children who grow up in families with both parents are there to have a better success at things that they do. Christ and the church. 
And um, how are the two relationships similar? Yeah. I mean, um, you spoke of covenant. Yes, exactly. Right? And, uh, <laughs> well, could you expand on that? Marriage is an opportunity for us to reflect the covenantal nature of God, who commits himself publicly and boldly to us. Whenever there's a covenant in the Bible, it's not a quiet shock of things, it's something public. And we're talking the pattern of right through the scriptures. If you go and read about covenant, and if you talk about Christ being the covenant that he made, covenant had to do with cutting, covenant had to do a lot of time it is shedding of blood because it is a serious thing having to deal, deal with committing a life until death. So Christ, when he shed his blood, he committed his life to the church. Right. All right? Totally and unequivocally, no holding back. Mm -hmm. And the pattern there for marriage is that a marriage, when you're going to get married, you must understand, this is covenant. This is not contract. Right. Exactly. One never built. One never built a back door exit mm -hmm. into marriage. So it was never his intention. Mm -hmm. It so was never his intention. Excuse me. All right. So, how would you differentiate between a, a covenant versus a contract? Right. All right. How does that go? Right. I tend to think of a contract. Contract involves two persons, each with his or her part. So I may go to a furniture store and I take in um, the furniture on 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 a higher purchase on terms, right? Mm -hmm. My thing is I get the use of the furniture and they I pay them every month until mm -hmm. I pay off for the furniture. But if I stop paying in the contract it says, Well if you stop paying I'm coming back and take back my furniture. Yeah. Right? Because that is a contract. I do my part and you do your part. And once you do right. your part, then I will do my part. That's a covenant. That's yeah. a contract. But a covenant though is totally different. A covenant says, hey, hear this man. These are the terms of the covenant. I will do this. And I expect you to do the other. But if you do not do your part, I am still committed to do what I covenant to do with you. Right. When you covenant with somebody, like in marriage, the first covenant is between you and God. Exactly. And that's nothing that somebody else does should ever prevent you from having a covenant with God. Yes. That will be the strength of your, your life and your marriage and everything that you do. Um, sure. I do not intend in my heart to break my covenant with God. That is the strength of, of it all. all right? So in a covenant, you're saying that in a covenant, the difference between a covenant and a contract is the the aim, right, is in a covenant, the aim is to please God and then and then the marriage and then well and then so please God first right. and then as a result of pleasing God you will be enabled to please your spouse yeah. right. Right? and with right. a contract it's yes. based on your 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 word 
which is not very, which is frivolous. Your word, and uh, it's based, it, it doesn't have anything to do with God, or it's basically you do this, it's like work to rule them. Yeah. You do this, and I will do that. And if you don't do that, well, you've got nothing. <laughs> That's right. And, and that is all part of the world system, and, and you know, and that is destined to fail it in the sense that if, if Stephanie and I operated on that principle, how would Stephanie know when I would have done my quote-unquote 50%, you know, people say 50 right. 50 in this relationship, because she, she would then have to figure out some way of mean of measuring, say, can, today I meet the 50 and tomorrow I make 48, and if I make the 40, then how does she respond? It's not like that. When Jesus Christ came to covenant, even the scripture says, even while we were yet sinners, right? Christ died first. And that is the starting of it. And in our relationship as husband and wife, it is not this somebody, okay, well, um, I treat Stephanie well today, so therefore she responds well tonight. No. It is no matter what each one of us does, all the expectation from God is that I love this person. On head, it is what you call it. It's like the agape type of love, unconditional. unconditional. Yes, I will love you in spite of what you do. And I think that when we started talk about covenant and relationship and, and marriage, right, as the, the relationship between Christ and the church, what, what, like what the the wife should always know is that no matter what you do, I will still love you, right. And that love is never an issue here, right? Because I will love you in spite of. So she burns my Manchester United jersey. <laughs> I will still love you. One more question concerning that, right? What would you say to the young lady? Right? Remember you said unconditional right yeah what would you say to the young lady who saw yeah. her mother having to live under strenuous relationship conditions abuse and she says to herself i'm not taking that when you say abuse you mean like overworked that's, like yeah. no i'm yeah. not talking about like abuse that you like physical abuse like physical abuse i mean like um well, we understand that that's a different parameter, right? Yeah. But uh, I'm yes. talking about the things that my mother was going to take. Yeah. I'm not taking that. I'm yes, not sitting on their feet and pregnant Some home still that way. and all that yes. kind of stuff. So what do you say to that? Okay. I say, let us, let us, um, let's go back to some, what I call some, some basics. Right. And I always like Genesis. I always like Genesis chapter two, which God says, it is not good that man should live alone. And when he said man in that context, it's also not good that woman should live alone. And therefore, before you set out to say what type of man you should get married to, is let us start off by being the type of woman God would want me to be. Right? So my first thing is because the being type of woman that God wants me to be will attract a certain type of man but it will also repel a particular type of man. That's right. Right? So what we what we say then is that as a woman, right, or as a man, again, my first connection is with God. And therefore, when you are getting to know somebody, let us let us see 
how does that person behave? How does that person react? Not only in the physical, but also their relationship with God, right? So if I know the person wants, what is going to be cutting corners and, and doing schemy things, right? I'm saying, is that the person who I want to be my wife or my husband? Or is this the type of person I will want to be the, the, one of, the father or mother of my children? And therefore, again, you come back and you test according to the scriptures. And one of the things I, I, I like about the scriptures is that in the book of um, Psalms, it says, you know, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to the word of God, right? Or that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I read the scriptures and, 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 I, and I read the book of um, Ruth, for example, right? And, and I think of Ruth and I think of Boaz. I think of how Boaz treated Ruth, right? Is that he made sure that one, even before they were married, right, that she was protected, she felt safe with him. He, <laughs> he provided for her. Even before they were married, he provided for her, right? And the next thing too is that, and I know, and I, I know I might get into trouble for this, eh? <laughs> was pursued root, right? Exactly. Root. It wasn't root pursuing was Okay, yeah. right? And and those are the things that 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 we want to see, right? That a woman should be saying, "You see me, Lord, I live my life for you." And if a man comes along, I will have this yardstick, which is God's yardstick, because this is what I want to see in the individual as we get to know each other. But one of the things that she should not be prepared to do is as we were starting off early on, that says, well, you know, I want to get married because I'm getting older again, pressure from home or yeah. any one of those things. I want to get married because God has designed my life and it is maybe that time. And there's nothing wrong in growing old and single if God has given you the gift yeah okay there's nothing wrong with that but each one of us has his or her um part mm -hmm. to to work once we are doing it in conformity with what god says and god blesses blesses the individual okay mm. Okay. Mm. Mm. the parallels in ephesians chapter 5 yeah. in christ and the church oh yeah the question <laughs> <I assume. laughs> That was nice, You know, God so loved the church that he sacrificed himself for the church. And the parallel there is, husband must love his wife, just like Christ loved the church and sacrificed for church. Because the husband, as being part of the church, he would have received love from God, from Christ. Yes. So he would have been nurtured and strengthened and encouraged in God's love and built up in God's love. And he is to have the love of Christ to be able to love his wife. And that kind of love that a man will give to a wife, it eliminates a lot of fears and problems of the, let's say a woman who's thinking about all that happened with her parents, all of that, yeah. just with love. Mm -hmm. Because the love of the husband is so genuine and pure and he so cares to you like Christ cares for the church. Mm. And that is the kind of love. It's like, it fear, it's like if fear is replaced with trust. That trust is it. Yeah. And sometimes you have insecurity mm -hmm. because the person is not 
but you feel secure in Christ. Yes. Good. He does everything well for you. Mm. And the husband is the head of the, the his bride, just as Christ is the head of the church. And here we're talking to about submission. Right. Just as mm. Christ, just as <laughs> church submits to Christ in everything, mm -hmm. the wife is told in Ephesians chapter 6, in five, to submit to husband in everything. I, right? don't, I don't know if we will, we will end with, with, if you begin to talk about submission, but I, I will listen, I will listen. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't have a problem with it, but I know some people yeah, yeah, they don't understand it. A lot of people, and it is natural in women mm -hmm. to have problem with submission. In fact, it is natural in mankind right. to have problem with submission. And because of all stories, and sometimes men are living up to their calling and all of that, right. it is natural that women are going to have some fears about the submission. Mm -hmm. But what a woman needs to do, is to put all those fears in God's hand because right. she's not only submitting, she's not submitting to her husband because he's perfect. She's submitting to him because of the, he is her authority as a head, because of his position. If she gets out of that, it becomes dangerous. Right. Her heart, her heart's desire. Now, women are not going to be perfect, I'm one. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a hundred percent. Um, <laughs> 100% submissive? Yeah. Working on it. Okay? Huh? <laughs> work in <laughs> progress. <laughs> a work in progress. You see? Yeah. When you think about it, marriage represents the submission we have to, to Christ. Right. Are you seeking your submission to Christ? No, no. Or is it an ongoing process from glory to glory? Yes. Good. And so it is. You must understand. That a woman has to learn that submission step by step from glory to glory and more and more as the husband demonstrates his love towards her the submission becomes easier but the woman must have the heart to want to submit and god uses that and as the years and time goes she becomes better and better the marriage becomes better and better and submission becomes easier i, I just want to that too that I remember in the last last month, peers were saying that you know that submission, that relationship is not a military type of submission, it's a biological. You know, so there's mutual benefit there too. You know. That's right. No, and and one of the things we also need to add too is that when we talk about submission, um, we we pull it out from Ephesians chapter five verse twenty two. But it, actually, we should go one verse before that, Ephesians yes. five twenty one, which says, "Submit to one another out of right. reverence for like Christ." Yes. Yes. yes, submit one to another. So yeah. yes, so God has given me a role that I need to play in the, in any family in right. marriage. But God has also said to that a hey, same God who says, "Wife submit," also said to um, husbands, "Love your wife." Which is a sort of a submission to it, and 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 it really be done. So I cannot come and say, "I'm the boss here, do what I say," okay? Because that is not demonstrating the love. That is not the way Christ is. Christ is is is, is like a perfect gentleman in in Revelation chapter three. Says he stands at the door and knocks, right? He doesn't push himself in. He doesn't violate. 
anyone, right? He is there and he's begging and pleading. He's asking, he's, he, he's talking, he's requesting. He's, he's a perfect gentleman. And Christ is our example as men. Another, another parallel to us, Christ sanctifies or saves the church by the washing of the word. He sends the word to heal the church, to make the church holy, and throw the church in white in Revelation, the bride is clothed in white. So a husband is supposed to use the word regularly to pray for his wife, read the word to her, speak to her. And then have most times when we have problems with marriages, and the couple comes in and he asks about that portion. Are you washing the wife with the word and reading the word for her? They don't, a, a lot of time. Yeah, the, the head drops. Yeah, the head drops. Yeah. Because you want a you want a, a good wife. Christ wants a good wife. So what does yeah. he do? He sacrifices. He teaches. He empowers. I want a good wife. So what do I do? I teach her from the word. Show her from the word. Scripture. Pray for her and love her up into just let me say that Christ loves her. And when you when you come to me, when a man complaining a lot, not in every case about his wife. Sometimes it speaks about the himself. What, what, what are you really doing here, boy? Yeah. <laughs> are you putting in the work? Exactly. I'm running out. Okay. Yes. Well, we just wanted to end with um, you know, like is is there a benefit to wider society? You know, in terms of being married and remaining married. You know, like, how does it in any way positively affect, you know, society? I know you mentioned, okay. you know, kids, it's good for them to grow up with that framework. Yeah. Any other benefits? That's right. Okay, so, so, so a couple of things, right? Um, I'll make the statement that marriage is really the bedrock of society. Show me a society with godly marriages, right? And I will show, show you a well-functioning society, but show me a society with no godly marriages and i will show you a dysfunctional society because in a society like that anything goes All right. there's nothing new under this sun and when god established the family in genesis in genesis chapter 2 immediately in genesis chapter 3 the enemy attacks it right because he's attacking the family and the right. consequences of of his attack in genesis chapter 3 is that in genesis chapter 4 you have the first murder Right, and we, we need to understand that that societies without strong laws of principles that support marriages will, without strong laws and principles that support marriages, they will deteriorate. Right? Um, when God said it is not good that man should be alone, or as Psalm sixty-eight verse six says, He puts the solitary in families. It is for a reason. God is the designer and he knows why he instituted and he gives us the institution of marriage, right? Um, so the institution of marriage is really basic to any society in which we live. It is the strength of the nation, it is the strength of culture, and it is in the family that we learn certain things, okay? It is in this family that we learn the principles of love, of sacrifice, of hard work, of forgiveness, of kindness, right? And if you go into the wider society, those are some of the factors that help us as a nation to be a strong family. If I love my wife, right, I'm not going to go outside there and do things that's dangerous, right? 
to endanger her. So that's why I mask up when I when I go outside. Okay. Right. Um, and a godly marriage is really supposed to be a safe place eh, for a husband and a wife and later on the family to enjoy the life successes as well as to work through its difficulties. Nobody is saying that a marriage will be perfect, as Stephanie said earlier on, eh? But when those difficult times come, how then do we respond, right? We could either fight to make it right, or we could flight. We could just decide to run away. Our marriage is not a winner-takes-all, okay? It is not one in which part, okay, it is one in which part I always have to remember that my spouse is not my enemy, right? right? I'm, I'm thinking about this as, as a, about the reason for getting married. Um, it's no use Stephanie and I having a fight outside in the kitchen. And then when we step into the bedroom, I have this kind of smile on my face, you know? <laughs> it's not that, okay? It's, okay? And we always have to remember that we work things out and we work things out so that God gets the glory. God must be glorified by our marriage right okay so if i am not and uh, if we are not glorifying god by how we live and how we are therefore society will be with the body whose faith it will be negatively affected right. so when we have the scripture verse um if my people who are called by my name okay it really speaks towards the the, the sanctity of marriage also okay mm -hmm. Because giving up your, acknowledging your sin and putting it away is acknowledging that I need to do what God wants me to do. So again, so the question that they ask, is there any good for society for people to get married? Okay. Yes, there's a good for society. But it's even better to have godly marriages right. that will bring honor and glory to God and provide the framework for children to grow up for the next generation. Yeah. And the legacy yeah. continues. Yeah. The legacy continues. That's right. <laughs> oh man, thanks so much for your time and really your experience it. in this field. You know, I feel like if we have been gifted yeah. with a lot of knowledge going forward in our own marriage, I'm sure a lot of other couples would feel the same way. And even those who are also who are thinking about getting married, you know, why they should get married. You know, so thanks yes. so much. Thank you. Thank you. God bless.